first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the phone? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Fucking Right Chicago podcast. We are glad you found your way back to us this week. Um, considering that the second round was pretty, the end of the second round was, uh, pretty intense. We've got lots to talk about today, but let's start off with Megan. How you doing? How you doing this fine Saturday afternoon? I'm, I'm doing good. You know, it's been a really relaxing day. I Mm. ran errands in the morning and then have done nothing since. We love that. We love that. We love being tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow is going to be my, you know, do everything day. Like I'm going to pack because I'm moving in two weeks and low-key forgot about that. So I got to pack and then I'm going to clean and be productive tomorrow. And today is just going to be like the chill day. That was How me yesterday. You? That was me yesterday. Yeah. Well, I got some kind of stomach bug. Um over the not over the weekend, but I got it on Thursday night. So I was up in the wee hours of the morning doing all that fun stuff um, that comes with having a stomach bug. We'll go into detail. Um, yesterday, <laughs> yesterday I uh, yesterday I had a fever for most of the day. So yesterday was my day to do um, absolutely nothing. I literally, I think I I woke up at like noon. Okay, I took a shower, and by the time it was out of the shower, it was like one o'clock. And that was when Team USA was on. And so I sat down in my basement on my my little recliner chair that if you were here when I had my shoulder surgery, I slept on that recliner for over a month. Um, Sitting on the little recliner, eating my toast, eating my rice. And I don't think I got up from the chair until like 6.30. So I I got up and I was like, I should probably see if my legs still function. Um, Went outside for a whole two seconds um, and yeah, like yesterday I, I watched a ton of YouTube videos. Like I, I watched the Cubs. I watched Team USA. I didn't do anything and I haven't had a day like that in a long time. Dude, those days are so nice. I say that like I don't get them like every weekend. I pre- I practically do this every Saturday where I just plant myself on my, I do some stuff, like some productive stuff in the morning. Like I go run errands and get like groceries and then I'm like, wow, I've done everything for the day. So then I just like chill on the couch, plant myself on the couch, catch up on YouTube videos and just veg out. Yeah. And it's nice. Like, well, and it's at the worst time because this is like this upcoming week is my last week of classes. And then I have finals the week after. Um, but I have, I have a sales presentation on Wednesday. Uh, I have a group project due this week and I have a test on Friday. So, uh, now wasn't the best time to sit back and relax. I still have to finish my sales presentation. So, that's what I'm going to be doing after we finish recording this podcast uh, before the Sharks play tonight or while the Sharks are playing tonight. Um, but yeah, it was it was nice to just not do anything. But tomorrow's Mother's Day, um, so yep. we're going up to 
I'm going out to my grandma's house, my nana's house, and then I'm going to the Cubs game. So hopefully they can win. It's supposed to be like it's supposed to be 51 though, and like cold. And, it's a little chilly. It's a little chilly. And so I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, we're gonna Dude, be in the bleachers. Prefer, so I would very much prefer the weather there than what we have here. It has been so muggy this week. It's Ooh. been in like the mid 80s and muggy. And let me tell you, it's the worst. I would take 50. I would take 50 degree weather any day. Yes. It's just been like, I ran errands this morning and I was like, I'm wearing currently like a tiny crop top tank top thing and shorts. And I was sweating. Like I literally, all I had to do was walk like, you know, 30 feet to target. And I was dripping and I'm like, this is the worst. Like, it's just gross. And it hasn't rained yet. Right. They've, They've told me, they being the weather people, that it's supposed to rain all weekend, and I have not seen any rain yet. And as somebody who really likes rain, I'm disappointed. I was going to say, it's been raining here today, but it's like it's like sh- showers. It's not like it's – it's like a constant drizzle, you know? Like, yeah. it's just just See, a that's what we were supposed drizzle. to get all weekend here. And, like, it's raining at the beach. It's raining in the mountains. It's raining, you know, two mi- or two miles – two hours south in Charlotte. And it's not raining here, and I just have questions. I just, I just have questions. I have so many questions, <laughs> and I just, I just want like a nice. Knowing my luck, it'll rain like when I have to go take my dog out. I just know that that's what's gonna happen. It's gonna wait until I have to, you know, actually go outside. That's how it always happens, right? It is. It that's one thousand percent how it always happens. And I keep getting alerts from my little weather channel app, like, "Oh, it's gonna rain in the next like ten minutes." I'm like, "Are you really? No, Are you sure?" <laughs> Hasn't rained yet. You're a liar. Yeah, it's still, I mean, it's dark and it's like kind of windy, but it's not really doing anything else. Yeah. There's your weather update for Raleigh on this fine Saturday afternoon. Well, now that we've got through that, um, <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about, there's a little Blackhawks news um, other than Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Jonathan, Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit. Um, tearing it up at Worlds day one, even though they lost. Um, the Blackhawks, uh, again this season, have been doing the Blackhawks Fan Choice Awards, where fans can go on and vote for different categories and which Blackhawk they think they should win. Um, so there are a couple, there are a couple uh, choice, Fan Choice Awards that have already come out. Um, the first one that came out was Patrick Kane. Uh, he was the Photo of the Year winner. Uh, I think it was it was his goal against Detroit on February 10th. I was there. It was epic. It's a picture of him like from the side, and he's on the one knee, and he's doing the sellies, doing yeah, the like yeah. the the throw in his arm thing. I'm not very good at describing. So that was photo of the year. And then uh, Dylan Strom, Dylan Strom wins best newcomer of the year. Best newcomer. Um, he obviously was traded over to the Blackhawks on November 25th. Tore it up ever since then. Um, I actually, so in 58 games that he played here after his trade, he had 17 goals and 34 assists for 51 points. Um, he had just six points, which was three goals and three assists in 20 games for the Coyotes at the beginning of the season. Um, and actually for Second City Hockey, we're um, rolling out like a bunch of offseason stuff right now. And I took a look into Strom's stats and I think there's only, um, I, I did like a little comparison thing, like from his time in three years in, um, three years in Arizona versus one year in Chicago. And I think there's only one, two, three, there's only five categories out of a lot that, um, 
were negatives. Like he had 10 more goals than he did, 10 more, 10 more games played, 10 more goals, 25 more assists, 35 more points. Um, he was plus 13. He was the same in penalty minutes. He had 29 more shots. His shooting percentage went up 7%. Um, his average time on ice went up almost five minutes. And like his, his, um, his, I did advanced stats too, but two of them that I really like to look at is, um, on ice goals for and on ice goals against. Um, and he had 35, he, or he had 46. He was on the ice for 46 of Chicago's goals for, uh, or 61 of them. So that was a plus 46 for when he was in Arizona. And then he, he was on the ice for 56 goals against, but he was only on for 21 in Arizona. But um, his Corsi went down only like 2%. His Fenwick went down only like 2%. Um, but his point shares and everything like that and goals per game, points per game, everything went up which is incredible. But like, just even looking at like basic stuff, that's like, he had 25 more assists than he did in one season than three in in Arizona. It's it's so funny too, because when that trade happened, I literally did not know what to expect because I'm not trying to say that I'm like, not like other girls, but I just didn't follow (laughs) Dylan Strom. Like I literally didn't know anything about him. I didn't, it's not that I didn't care. I just didn't. I just didn't follow him because I just didn't. Like I didn't follow Connor McDavid either. So it it was just one of those things where I just didn't know anything about him. Yeah. And I was like, like I want Nick Schmaltz though, and now I'm very happy. Oh yeah. Well, and that's what I was, I was going to say. That's what you have me for, because I followed like I followed Dylan Strome and all of them like through their junior years and all that stuff. So I was. Very excited because I knew that he was a really, really good player. I just don't think he had the right, like, he wasn't in the right place in Arizona. Like, they didn't develop him in the best way possible for him. So um, I was really glad to see him come over here because I was like, okay, I know he's good. I've seen him play hockey before. Like, he played on the line with Alex Dabrinkit and Connor McDavid. Like, I think you have to be pretty good to play with Connor McDavid on a consistent basis. Like. What's yeah. funny is that so many, there are so many guys who are on that team that I didn't know were on that team. Like, I didn't know Alex Dabrinkit was on that team with them until this year. Yeah. And Travis I Dermott was on that team. The yeah, Radishes were on that team. That um, Warren Fogle was on that team. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. Um, just so many guys. Like, you look at that roster and you're like, wow. Yeah, that is an NHL roster. Yes, no, that's that, and that's my favorite part. That's my favorite part because so many guys like, and that's why I like watching the O because so many guys like. Obviously, if you follow like junior hockey and youth hockey, like the O is probably where you're. The the O is where majority of your players are going to be coming from. Like the WHL produces a lot of great players. The Q produces a lot of great players, like Nico Hishier and um, Maxime Comtois played in the Q. But the O is like where a lot of those heavy teams are based. Like you got Erie Otters, you have the London Knights, you have the Kitchener Rangers, you got got Barry Colts, like all of those teams that are in that Toronto kind of upper area. Um, That's where you get most of your young prospects from. So it's really fun to watch. And like now a lot of them, like I'm pretty sure what's his face. There's one guy, Anthony Sorelli was on that team who plays in Tampa now. Um, There's just a lot of really cool young guys that are breaking into the league that um, come from the O. So, um, it's pretty fun to watch. Uh, and then the other award that was feature that was um, announced out of the three is uh, Patrick Kane was named the most valuable Blackhawk. Um, 
He finished, he is a Ted Lindsay Award finalist, um, and this was his best season of his career. He collected 110 points, which is 44 goals and 66 assists in 81 games, um, and he led the Blackhawks in goals, assists, and points, as well as shots. He had 341 shots uh, this season. So his assists and his uh, his 66 assists and 110 points were both career highs. His goals, was he was two away. He had 46 in that 15-16 season when he won those three. He won the Hart, the um, Ted Lindsay, and he won the Art Ross that year. Um, and then, of course, he had that 20-game point streak from January 3rd to February 24th. Um, and then it also says, this is from uh, the NHL, like the Blackhawks, Chris Westcott. This is his uh, article about it from Blackhawks.com. Um, but he recorded at least one point in every road game from November 23rd to March 2nd, uh, which is crazy. And then he passed Steve Larmer um, for, for, on the franchise's all-time points list with 938 um, and then it says at the very bottom here, he turned 30 in November, but he is the captain of Team USA at the Men's World Championship, So, uh, which we will talk about later in the podcast as well. Um, but yeah, I thought that was pretty... I thought it was pretty well-deserving. I mean, I thought maybe Jonathan for Taves. Sure. Should I voted for Jonathan Taves? Because obviously, why no, not? I voted for Keener. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just thought, I just thought Taser because he hit he career highs in yeah. every... Like, that too. Like, he had career highs in every category. But also, like, I think it made it sweeter because he, like you said, he rebounded so well from his season last year. Because last year and the year last before year. were just so bad. And yes. Like, I would never sit here and say that he's a bad player because he's not. He's a Hall of Famer for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't have a single question about that. And it was just, like, last year and the year before, I'm like, dang, like, is he already hitting, like, has he already hit his peak? But it's pretty clear that he has not. No. Um, and, it, it, like, it just – he just didn't look like himself the past two years. So definitely glad to see him looking a little bit more like – the Jonathan Taze we all know and love. Exactly, exactly. And then the Duncan Keith goal too, one for best goal of the year. Oh yes, yes. I did, it wasn't on here, or maybe I just skipped by it. No, it's not on there. It's not on here. Maybe I just I think I just skipped by it. Um, but yes, uh, Duncan Keith's goal. It was versus the Avalanche. It was towards the end of the season. Yep. I can't remember exactly what day, but it was the overtime goal where he went end to end. It was like and- the last. It was. It was one of the late ones in March because they were wearing their old school, like they were wearing the Winter Classic jerseys. Yes, it was in it was in February sometime because I remember I think it was February or early March. Like I can't remember exactly when, but I remember I was. um, I'm gonna go look it up. I was. um, I I had a sleepover with two of my friends from my um, sorority, and we got back to the the her house, my friend's house. And I got the notification that was going to overtime. And I was like, okay, guys, I just want to watch overtime. Like, I didn't watch the game at all that night. I was like, I just want to watch the overtime. And we turned it on, and they had never watched a hockey game. Well, Claire, my friend Claire, they've watched a hockey game with me. But my other friend Alyssa had never watched a hockey game with me. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this poor girl. I'm, like, screaming at my television as this is going on. And she's never experienced this before. And I freaked out. And they, like, they obviously knew that it was a good thing that we had won, but they didn't understand, like the the concept of Duncan Keith taking a puck end to end and going to the net like that like a defenseman doing that like they didn't yeah, understand I've, that's why I was I've freaking out I've never seen anything like that and it was on um fe- it was on uh, March twenty fourth okay March yeah so end of March so and yeah. I was like I watched it and that was one of the games that was one of the rare games where I stayed up late to watch a game 
um, late on it, like a, a weeknight. Um, I think it was like a Sunday. Um, and I'm so glad I did. Cause part of me was like, well, I should just go to bed because who cares? But <laughs> I care. So I, I stayed up and watched it and literally going goals that go end to end like that just blow my mind because it's not like, and I know I'm not an athlete. I get it. But that just seems so difficult. <laughs> and like to be able to hang on to the puck that whole time. I mean, I have an issue going up like three flights of stairs or like walking across a concourse at a stadium or an arena. So for him to do that was very impressive to me. <laughs> and then again, like I'm not an athlete. So like, of course, like I'm not conditioned or whatever. And Duncan Keith's not human, but I mean, I like for him to be able to hang on to the puck the whole time and not lose possession of it once and then to score. I, and the, the goal was so weird too, because I didn't think it went in initially. Yeah. But his Sally, oh his Sally tells you that it went in like, yeah, sure does. I, was the, so yeah. I jumped off the couch. Like I literally jumped off the couch and I goes, scared the crap out of my dog. Boom. But it was like. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was one of the coolest goals. That's the one I voted for because you just can't you can't top that. That's like Right, right. That's the best. Yes. No, I um that was a good goal. That was insane. And like his sellage was probably was just the best part. But um so that's well we'll get into there's more Blackhawk stuff to talk about, but we're gonna talk about that when we get down to worlds. So let's uh there's only a couple things going around the NHL right now that we could talk Not about. Much. Uh, not much, not much, pal. Um, so Ken Holland, this happened on two, last Tuesday. Uh, Ken Holland was officially named the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers. Ken Hitchcock has been told that he will not return as head coach. Um, so it looks like, from what I was listening to on 31 Thoughts yesterday, uh, Dave Tippett is in the front running for that job. Um, but there's also been rumors that him, that Dave Tippett and um, Jacques Martin are being looked at by Buffalo. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but also, I don't know if anybody watched the press conference. I watched the press conference as he was getting... Uh, I watched pieces of it. As he was getting um, welcomed into the oh. Oilers organization. And Daryl Cates was there, which Daryl Cates doesn't talk ever. Like... Literally, he'll make maybe one or two media appearances every season, and that's that's all you're getting from Daryl Cates. Uh, but John Shannon tweeted actually uh, because it kind of looked like it kind of looked like Daryl Cates was I don't know, kind of looked like he got off of a beach somewhere and wasn't really. I was like, gonna say he looked his hair was all like frazzled and he looked like weirdly tan, but it yes. also kind of looked like he had like I hate saying this because I know the situation. But, like, it looked like he had, like, botched, like, plastic surgery on his face. Yeah. And I was not sure what was happening. And I don't know anything about the Oilers, but I just happened to, like, watch it because I was just curious. And I did not know who he was. I was so confused. Yeah. I was so confused. Yeah. So he makes maybe one or two appearances every year. But John Shannon of Sportsnet tweeted... Um, after the press conference, he said there have been there's been a lot made publicly today about how Daryl Cates looks. After after asking a few questions, I can tell you that he has been struggling with a life threatening bacterial resistant sinus infection over the past few years. 
And that was his first tweet. And then he says, in fact, he carried an IV bag 24-7 during the playoff run two seasons ago. The infection has a 50-50 survival rate. He has He's had three surgeries over the past 10 months with one more surgery to go. It is the primary reason why he hasn't been around Edmonton and the team. So that in itself, I was like, how, like, how was that kept quiet for so long? I know, and that's like not a good thing i i was also shocked to see like uh, so i am not a doctor i'm not a lot of things (laughs) um i'm not a doctor but and i don't know anything about like science or medical stuff so maybe i'm just being stupid but like i did not know that sinus infections could just like happen that long i guess if it's bacteria resistant or whatever it was like that's i guess that's why but i was not aware that that could be Mm-hmm. I've never had a sinus infection, so I don't really know, like, what the situation is. But Yeah, no, it's – the sinus I infections, not, like – I did not – like, I knew they could last, like, a couple weeks, but I didn't know they could last, like, years. Well, there's – so there's different kind of strains that you can get. Like, I That's get – like, I – I think there was a point, I think it was like my junior or my senior year of high school. My sinuses are all messed up. Like that's my next surgery on the list. Like I have a deviated septum. They need to go in and clean out all of my sinuses. They need to reconstruct my nose. Like they need to, <clears throat> they need to do all that stuff. And I, when I was in kindergarten, I had surgery to remove my adenoids, which are like little, um, they're kind of like little, um, like pieces of like muscle that are in your nose that, um, are part of the whole, like, um, the part of the whole system of like decongestion and all that stuff. Mine had a staph infection in them that was blocking. I think it was like 95% of my airways. So staph infections cannot be treated with like antibiotics can't be treated with anything. It's like a virus. So, um, the adenoids can grow back too. So they've grown back now. Um, but there's no staph infection in them obviously anymore. Um, but there are different strains that you can have. And like his, like he, it sounds like he has something that's along the lines of a staph infection that like it's, 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 it's gotten to the point. Yeah. Like I, like with mine, I had mine in there for probably like a year or two before I had it taken out. Like it was, um, it was in there for a long time. And so there was, a response to this under it, Sheldon Saray. I want to say he, so he is a former NHL player. He played with the Edmonton Oilers, um, but he replied to John Shannon's tweet, and he said um, it was a, it's a four it's a four tweet thread. So he goes, "This is awful. I can relate." Here's a little story for you. After I broke my hand in a fight with Iggy in 2010, Iggy as in um, Jerome McGinley. Uh, I needed pins put in to set the fracture. The Oilers insisted I get surgery done in Edmonton. After some discussion, I agreed. Sometime during the Olympic break, my hand had become infected and I got very sick. I flew back to Edmonton from LA and went to the hospital that night. I had a bad blood and bone infection, which was, he had MRSA, M-R-S-A, he had MRSA. After spending, after spending a few days in the ICU and a couple more surgeries later, I was close to having my hand amputated. I spent about 12 weeks on the IV bag with a PIC line on my heart to keep the infection from killing me. During the 10 days in the hospital, I was told that Oilers management, Cates, Kevin, and Tambellini, Kevin Lowe, um, thought I was milking the injury. When I spoke to the press in April 2010, I still hadn't talked to management. I wasn't mad they didn't check in on me. I was floored that they thought I was using this injury to not play that season. Obviously, the rest oh is God. history. The, the in, These infections are real and serious. And then he goes, I hope the worst is behind Daryl Cates. 
which that is sucks. insane. Like that's, I've I've known somebody who's had MRSA, and it's really scary. It's like because, flesh eating, right? Yeah, and it can come on from like the smallest of things. Yeah. And it comes out of nowhere and you all of a sudden just have to go to the hospital mm-hmm. and you're stuck there. Yeah. Um, one of my, one of our neighbors, um, one of our longtime neighbors, um, it was actually like the night my mom and stepdad got married. Um, they were supposed to be at the wedding and they couldn't be at, the, I think like half of their family came, but they couldn't be at the wedding because their son had, my son had to be at the hospital and, um, yeah, it's, it's very scary. Like it is, yeah. but like for de- for them but to like, for them to like, just say that he's milking it. Yeah. So I looked him up. I looked him up on uh, hockey reference. He played, uh, he played 13 years in the NHL. He was six years in Montreal, three years in New Jersey, three years in Edmonton, a year in Dallas and a year in Anaheim. He played from 1998 to 2013. Um, he finished with 758 games, 109 goals, 191 assists and 300 points. So, he had, he had himself quite a career, but uh, it was that year in Edmonton. It was 2009-10. Um, he was 33 years old that year, and then he got traded. He only played 37 games that year, um, and then he got traded to Dallas that next year. So, um, that's crazy. Yeah, so that's that. And then um, one other little piece of NHL news uh, from the Toronto Maple Leafs, Travis Dermott uh, will have shoulder surgery. Um, he had it, I think, yesterday. Um and he will miss a minimum of six months. So we won't be seeing him like, and that, like they said, he's going to miss a minimum of six months before he even had the surgery. And like knowing how my surgery went and how they were like, Oh, four to six months. And I'm at like the six month mark now. Like I've gone that like, they're like, Oh, some people finish in four. Some people finish. Like I'm assuming it's like six and a half, seven at this point, because like, you don't know how each body is going to, you know, each body is gonna. So many shoulder react. injuries, because that's what. Um, that's Maybe I should just play the NHL. I was gonna call him Travis, but I meant Trevor Van Riemsdyk for the Canes had shoulder surgery last mm-hmm. week too. Um, it sucks. Damn. That yeah, that's that's hard. It, you don't want to miss that much time, especially because like a lot of guys do like pretty intense training over the summer. So to not be able to do that, that already puts you behind. Mm-hmm. That's like the, that, yeah. that absolutely bites. I mean, he probably can still skate like towards the end of the summer, I'm guessing, but yeah. it's not like he'll be able to practice like full on. Well, full I'm on practice. like, I'm at the point now, I think I'm at like five months, like just about to hit. Um, I think I'm about to hit five months in, in a week. So from my surgery. So, um, I just got the clear to like be able to go back and play hockey. So, and like by the time I'm, I'll, I'm, I start, it'll be right around my six month of my surgery. So I still have like, I'm not starting until like mid June. So like she, the, the way my like doctors and the way my physical therapist put it, it's like, if obviously I'm not an NHL athlete, so it's different for everyone. But like the, the main thing is, cause I asked them, I was like, when can I get back to doing things? Like, when can I get back to like, you know, being active. And she's like, if you want to play hockey again, like you need to be able to be like to fall and be able to catch yourself or like take a hit and be able to like, not like know that your shoulder is fine. Like there's also there, there's also like a mental aspect of it. Like I'm scared about it because I'm afraid I'm going to like go out there and accidentally fall. And then like, I'm just going to rip my arm apart again because like the way my tendon is being held in my arm, it's by like a, a little wire and like a little like 
anchor in there. Like, so right. she she's like, but they're like, it's in there. Like, it's not, it would have to take something traumatic for it to come undone. Right. Like, like, it's, like not, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not going to be just like you falling. Yes. Mostly. Yeah. So it's like, there's also a mental part of it. And especially when you play in the NHL, when it's, there is hitting and there is that aspect of violence is that like, you need to be mentally okay with the fact that you could go back and play. Like that's, that's a big thing too. So, um, we'll see how that, we'll see how that all goes. Um, but that's it for, that's it for the NHL news. Let's talk about the playoffs. Cause we love talking about the playoffs on this podcast. We sure do. You know what? It's been fun this year though. Like I, it's funny that you said that the like end of round two was like exciting because I thought it was low-key boring, but... Oh my gosh, how did you not, like, with the San Jose and the Avalanche thing? I couldn't watch that game. Okay, well, okay, so let's start with... Okay, let's start in the Eastern Conference. Let's just start... We already talked last week about how... We already talked last week about how the Carolina Hurricanes swept the swept the New York Islanders, so that's that's done. We talked about that's that it. already <laughs> last week. Um, we're moving on from that. We're moving on from that one. Um, let's talk about Columbus. So, Columbus and Boston, um, that ended in Game 6... The Blue Jackets didn't score a goal in game six um, after almost, I mean, I thought they dominated pretty much all of the series, but like, that's I just so And I, I thought for sure that game was going to go to, or that series was going to go to seven because yes. both teams seemed like they were really grinding, but for some reason, I, I don't, and I don't know, I watched that game and I, I still can't really tell you what the Blue Jackets were doing wrong aside from not scoring. They were playing a great like, game. They played a, a great game. They had a lot of chances, too. They did. Yeah. And, I, I mean, you and I had talked a little bit about this before we went on. But Tukarask, I mean, he's just unbelievable. And, like, Bobrovsky was still – I felt like he was still good in that game. He just – there were, like, a couple where I feel like they were just goals that you can't avoid, mm-hmm. um, which sucks, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But. I was just shocked because I really thought that was going to go to game seven and John Tortorella's press conference afterwards was hilarious because he's the best. Um, he was like, we're not talking about it. I'm he like, literally like, just oh does not God. care. And I really appreciate that. Like, I really appreciate the fact that he just does not care at mm-hmm, all. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just says whatever he wants. It's just so funny to me. And I think, Boston fans especially were like kind of making fun of him for saying that it was going to go for, to game seven for sure. And then it, you know, didn't, <laughs> um, that was kind of funny. And then like the whole Bobrovsky thing that's happened over the past like day or so where like, I guess he already is like putting his apartment up for sale. And yeah. Wait, can we, <laughs> yeah. Like, can we oh talk about that really quick? It's because... literally been like, not even a week because that news came out yesterday i think yes or maybe I'm, I'm looking i'm looking I'm at it right sure. now yes i know chris and johnston re- retweeted like that, it it was yesterday game, it was yesterday that game was on monday right yeah the columbus game no that game was on no that game was on monday monday may 6th okay. yeah so literally like it didn't even take him a full week before he was like bye i'm leaving 
never coming back. I'm like, geez. If you, if you guys too, like I just looked at the tweet from, um, it's from Aaron Portsline. Uh, he covers the, the blue jackets for the athletic. Um, he posted the story about it. Chris Johnson retweeted it, but he posted the story about it. I'll have Megan throw it in on the Twitter. There's a YouTube link that is like a tour of his apartment. So if any of you live in Columbus and want to spend 2.95 million on Sergei Bobrovsky's (laughs) condo, feel free to go ahead. Um, but yeah, like that's okay. Also about Columbus, this is also on the lighter side. Can we talk about their Nashville like extravaganza that they had over the weekend? Like, oh, I don't that know. was so funny. Like, okay, so Josh Anderson posted one about an hour ago of all of the guys too, but like they all wore cowboy hats and they all went to a honky tonk on Broadway and like Matt Duchesne at some point was singing whiskey glasses and like. I yeah, like I, dude, look at De- like David Savard in this picture. Time. David Savard yeah. in this picture. Like I they're they're just having they're having the time of their lives. So You know what though? <laughs> they in all honesty, I think they should be really proud of where they got because nobody thought they were gonna beat Tampa. Right. Um I think a good amount of people thought they were gonna get swept by the Bruins and they didn't get swept. I mean they right. didn't win kind of sucks but they they get swept franchise history by getting past the first round yeah and i don't know i think they should be proud of it it sucks and i really wanted them to go far because i really wanted the wild card chaos squad to oh yeah to dominate i wanted them to be the last four obviously that didn't happen um but yeah i I was really pulling for them as much as i like the bruins I, i really wanted the blue jackets to pull it off and yeah um you know, it, su- it sucks because I really think they could have with how hot they were. But I think that, like, it was like a 10 or 11-day break between them sweeping and them playing Boston. Yeah. So that sucks to have that much rest. I mean, I know rest is sometimes a good thing. Like, I think with the Hurricanes, it was kind of a good thing, even though they didn't – it was clear in the first period – we'll talk about it later, but they they didn't quite have their feet under them. And I think the same thing happened – to Columbus right um it's just a matter of like picking it back up as soon as you can and I just don't think Columbus picked it up right quickly enough right which bites but like like those videos like they're obviously a close group of guys at least the ones that are like funny like it was so I want to see I don't know who I don't know who posted the video of um, Duchesne singing, but it was probably like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It was so funny. I think it was some. I think it was on somebody's Instagram story, though. So it's probably gone. Oh, it was an Instagram story. Yeah, I think so it was it Josh was... Anderson's inter- Instagram story, but I'm sure we could unearth it somewhere. I was gonna say he has one highlight bubble on his Twitter, and it's from 38 weeks ago. So that doesn't help me, Josh. Um, but it was it was Anthony Duclair, Ryan Murray, Bru- Boone Jenner, David Savard. Uh, Josh Anderson, Keith Kincaid, Cam Atkinson, Nick Foligno, and uh, Matt Duchesne. So that was a pretty fun group. Um, sad to see them go, but there's there's going to be some big changes coming to uh, coming to the off season for um there. They've got a lot of free agents that they've got to um, figure out what they're going to do with. I yeah. think. I would I say them. like semi definitively that Panarin and Bobrovsky. Well. I'll say definitively that those two are gone, but I think they've had a pretty good chance of signing Matt Duchesne. He clearly likes it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, they have, they have, I don't know what they'll do with like Dezingle. So they have Sergei Bobrovsky. They got Matt Duchesne, Artemi Panarin, and then they have Adam McQuaid, Ryan Dezingle and Keith Kincaid. Those are all of their 
UFAs yeah. this season um, or this year. So Sergey makes, I mean, Matt Shane makes six million right now. Dzingo makes one point eight. So I think out of any of them, and like Keith Kincaid makes one point two five, McQuaid makes two point seven five million. So. Yeah. Like, I think Magic Shane could probably be your first order of business and get him signed. And then yep. I, I I don't care for McQuaid. Like, you can get rid of McQuaid, get rid of Kincaid. Okay. Like, I mean, you can keep Kincaid because you're getting rid of Bobrovsky That's and you I have Corpusalo. But... I think that was kind of their thinking, too. And I I think Kincaid is fine. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do because, yeah, you're right. Like, they're going to have to either find a different goalie on the market, which is mm-hmm. going to be kind of hard. Or stick with Corpusalo and somebody from their AHL team. I don't know their system well enough to like give you a name. Um, aside from maybe that like Elvis kid. Yeah, yeah, His he's last an option. Name, I think he starts with an M. Yeah, um, starts with an M. I can't. It's like some. You know, if you want to, you know, stick with that. I mean, I think Corpusalo is a fine goalie. Like, I don't think he's perfect, but right. or like really, really good or anything. But I think he's fine. I think I think they'd be perfectly fine with him as their starter next year. I think. I think he kind of reads to me as like a like a Scott Darling type where he like has the potential to be a, a number one. It's just a matter of him proving himself to be one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, so let's talk about um, let's go over to the Western Conference because both games in the Western Conference in the second round went to seven. Um, let's start with Colorado and San Jose because I want to talk about St. Louis Dallas last, but um, let's talk about Colorado San Jose first. Um, oh, I can hear the rain now. Is it raining by you? Is that no. you? Oh, oh no. Is it- I, I, I can hear it. Like I just started, I just heard it. Is it raining? No. No? Okay, maybe then it's You just... know what? That might have been my air conditioning turning on. I was going to say, I heard something and I was like, whoa, that is a lot of rain. I think uh... that's my air conditioning. <laughs> okay, let's talk, about, let's talk about San Jose, Colorado, um, and let's talk about the call that went San Jose's way um, yeah. after Gabriel Landeskog was called for being offside uh, and Colin Wilson's goal right after was called back. Um, I was listening to the 31 Thoughts podcast yesterday with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, and Elliot Friedman was saying, he was saying that Gabe Landeskog is probably going to get all the respect and probably every call from here on out the rest of his NHL career. Because if if any of you listen to his postgame scrum, he didn't put the blame on any of the refs. He didn't put the blame on anybody else. He put the blame like on himself. And that's just a very captain thing to do. And that's a very Gabe Landeskog thing to do. He's always been that respectful and that kind of, that kind of guy that won't throw anybody under the bus. But Elliot was saying like, because of that, he's going to have the respect of all of the refs in the league from here on out. Like he's going to be, so that's, that's tough because if they, if that goal counted and they didn't have to go back and like onion slice all of these reviews now, um, which I think, I think the, like I, I feel I feel like the video review on some plays is great because on, on plays where it's like egregious that it's supposed to go the other way, but like right. when you when you take it on the littlest of things and like everyone points to the Matt Duchesne oh uh, not overtime Matt Duchesne offside call five years ago in the playoffs um, and why this whole thing started and why you can you can overturn offside calls and everything like that. Um, it, it would have been a 2-2 game and it would have been completely different and you don't know how yep. it could have ended. And this is the second series where I was saying this to Megan too before. This is the second series where 
they have gotten San Jose has gotten a call in Game Seven that completely turned the tie for them, and they won the game with Vegas's five minute major uh, in the first round, and then this this call in the second round. Um, and like, not to take anything away from the San Jose Sharks, you know, like Joe Pavelski came back after not playing the entire series and scored, scored, <laughs> scored in that game. Um, that was a nice goal too. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he scored twice, and yeah. um, not to take anything away from that, but also, like, Colorado, like, that's not a call that should change the course of a game, I guess. Like, I understand why they did it, because, like, he didn't get off fast enough or whatever, like, the door wasn't open on the bench or whatever, but right. I, I just, the the officiating this year has just been... So bad. Not great, and that's a call that could have gone... Colorado's way and who knows it could have been a 2-2 game and it could have ended differently I mean San Jose still could have won and gone on but I think it would have been more fair um on Colorado's side of it so um that being said uh, San Jose does move on but Colorado I think Colorado is really set for the future um and they've got a lot a lot of good guys on that team um and you I mean we have a really small sample size with Kale McCarr so far but he looks like he's going to be legit uh you got Nathan McKinnon who I would honestly put Nathan McKinnon like if you ask people the best players in the world, you're going to get either a Connor McDavid or a Sidney Crosby answer. That's just how it goes. But I would put Nathan McKinnon in that conversation. Um, you got Miko Rantanen, who had a coming out party this year. Um, you got Gabe Landeskog, who's still having a great year. And then you got a couple other guys, like depth guys, like you got JT Confer, who's really great. Uh, Tyson Jost, who had a really, really, really tough regular season, bounced around from the NHL to the AHL, um, and came and scored three straight in the playoffs for his first. First ever three straight goal appearance of his career. Um, and they have they have a couple free agents. They have Semyon Varlamov, Derek Brassard, Colin Wilson, who I think you need to re-sign. Uh, Patrick yep. Nemeth and Gabriel Bork, who is also proven to be pretty... I mean, he had, he had in 55 games, he only had eight points, but um, give him some time. I think he could be a great player. But um, I don't know. The future looks really good for the Colorado Avalanche. So I feel like fans can sit back and kind of be like, okay, that was... That was a good season. That was a good season. Um, it was it was tough how the way it ended, but I think they had a pretty good a pretty good year, pretty good playoff run too. I it was I was kind of upset because I I like the Sharks like they're in like they're like my top tier of teams I like. So I was like not too bummed about the fact that they won, but it like also sucked because I don't know. I just feel like. And I know, like, Gary Batman keeps, like, saying, oh, there's a parody in the league and whatever. Like, there's, like, it's going to be a toss-up on, like, who, what team wins and stuff. And I get that to an extent, but, like, literally all signs at this point are pointing towards a Boston-San Jose final. And that is not parody. Yeah. <laughs> that is two really good teams. And that's fine. Like, I have nothing wrong with that. But it's, like, decidedly less fun when it's two really good teams. Yes, I agree. I Give agree. me the Cinderella story. Like, I want... And I didn't talk about that, like, last week or two weeks ago, whenever that was. Um, that's why these playoffs, like, the first round was so much fun because literally every team that wasn't supposed to make it made it. Mm-hmm. And, I like, I was excited because I was like, oh, the second round's going to be awesome. And then maybe the reason I didn't like the second round is because it didn't go the way I wanted it to. I was going to say, it's probably because... <laughs> now that I'm, like, hearing myself talk about it. Um, I mean, it's like, it's fine. Like, honestly, out of the eight teams that were left, like there weren't any of them that I was really upset about. I was upset about Colorado. I really, really, really like Colorado. Um, and that's been, that's like, as of late, 
Like, it's probably, like, the last season or two that I really jumped on their bandwagon, and I was like, I love the Colorado Avalanche. But also, like, I think that also is in part of, like, their... The way they treat their fans and the way that, like, like their social media team in particular. Like, I went to Denver two summers ago. And obviously, it's the middle of July, so the uh, the start of the July. So hockey is not on. But I was like, I'm going to go out on a limb. I went on Tumblr. And I sent them an ask, like I sent the, I sent the Colorado Avalanche an ask and I was like, Hey, I'm coming to Denver for a week and a half. Like what, what's fun to do in Denver? And of course they said the whole, like, you should visit, um, you should visit like the Pepsi center. You can do a tour whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they sent me like a full on list of like, Hey, go to Red Rocks amphitheater and Hey, go do a hike here and Hey, go see this and see a Rockies game and do this and do that. And like, they always reply to me on Twitter. They always are good with their fans. Like they're so funny. They just treat people really, really well. And that drew me to them at first. And then I started to know the team. And I was like, this team is fun. This team is yeah. really, really fun to watch. And, you know, after the Matt Shane trade um, a couple years ago, Joe Sackick was kind of looked at as like he kind of tarnished his GM reputation, I guess, after that. But now it's it's certainly paying off because you get ousted in the second round in game seven, but you still have the fourth and 16th pick in the first round of the NHL yeah, draft really. this like, year. That's like pretty good. You're doing all right, son. You're doing all right. Yeah, so I just, yeah. I think, um, it was one of those things where like I was, I was going to be fine with either team advancing, but I was disappointed because I felt like Colorado was kind of gypped of a chance. Not saying that they like, and, and to put this into perspective, because I've heard this kind of bounced around when people complain about calls mm-hmm. saying that, like, well, you don't know that they would have won. Well, no, you don't know that they would have won. The or the um, Sharks could have come back and scored like eight goals, whatever. Right, right. But you're taking away a team's chance. Mm-hmm. And that that's what bugs me. And like, yes, like, obviously the avalanche could have, you know, they could have tried harder to score or whatever you mm-hmm, want mm-hmm. to, you know, change the narrative, but it just sucks because you you change the outcome of a game, but changing the outcome of a series is frustrating. And we mm-hmm. saw that with Vegas and like Vegas and the Sharks. And I don't know. It just honestly like saw it a little bit with um, the Bruins and Columbus as well, where like, I think it was like the waning seconds of the, of the game, but Brad Marchand like punched somebody in the back of the head and then skated away and got away with it. Didn't face any kind of suspension. I honestly think if he'd been suspended the next game, they would have taken it to game seven. And that's not even me being like hypothetical. I think it would have happened. Yeah. And that it's just frustrating when you, miss a call or when you call something that shouldn't have been a call and you change the momentum of the game and you change the outcome of the game, that's you're interfering too much as a referee, in my opinion. And it's just like these playoffs have gotten to the point where unless somebody is seriously injured or unless something is blatantly a call, let them play. Like you don't need to call every single tiny thing. Right. Like, it just, and we'll get to it in a minute when we talk about the Hurricanes, but, like, that game was just a mess. Mm-hmm. And it made me so mad because the refs didn't know what they were calling. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of been the narrative throughout these whole playoffs is that the refs just don't know what they're calling, and they're calling things that aren't, that really aren't penalties, and they're calling things that 
or they're not calling things that should be penalties. And you're just, you're, I don't want to say you're ruining the game, but you're ruining the game. Yeah. Like I, I don't like how, I don't like how down to the, like down to the wire it gets like with reviewing stuff. Like yeah, it kind of takes away, like, I don't know. It takes away the fun of the game. It does. Like, because then I'm sitting there like, well, okay, now, you know, this team has, like a huge power play that they're probably going to score on and gain some momentum. And it's like, that's fine. But if the gold, if the, if the penalty wasn't actually a penalty, then you're skewing the game. You're, you're breaking it down. You're nitpicking it, which is just exactly beyond annoying. Like don't, cause the problem too is when they nitpick, it's not even like they nitpick equally like they make right. st- like it, they've been making just dumb calls that don't make any sense on either side of yeah. all of these games and i'm like as a fan i'm sitting here confused because i mean i obviously don't have a rule book rule book in front of me while i'm watching a game but maybe they should start having one in front of them because some of the stuff they call just doesn't make any sense and yeah. some of the stuff they miss like i just don't understand like I don't know. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it's just incredibly frustrating and it's getting more frustrating. And I swear to God, if this whole thing comes down to a bad call in the finals, I'm going to be furious. I don't care which teams are there, mm-hmm. but if that whole, if all of that accumulates into a bad call, letting one team win. And that's what I'm you remember. Angry. Like that's the, that's the toughest part is that like, that's what you remember. Like when I think back on that game seven between Vegas and, and San Jose, I don't think about how great each side played. Like, because that entire game was great. Well, I yeah. think about, I think about that five minute major when it just totally turned everything around. You know, like when I think about this game seven between Colorado and San Jose, I'm going to think about Gabe Landeskog being a little bit offside. You know, like I think that's what you think about. And that's, what's kind of, put onto the that game or that series and that sucks because that's not what you should does, remember. You should remember the good the, you should remember the hockey. You should remember the actual game. Yes, you know? Like yes. it's just oh like when the refs change the game, that's when I get frustrated. Like I get that right I get that they're human and they can't make every right call. I completely understand that. But when it's the playoffs and things are on the line and it's the difference between a team winning a series and losing a series. You mm-hmm. need to be diligent. I'm sorry. And well, the thing like, is, too, like these refs are the best at what they do. And they've been doing it for a long time. Like it's not like a rookie's being thrown in there like they right. do in the regular. Like right. They've been doing it for a long time. Dan O'Halloran, who has been the ref in the conference finals for the past decade and then some, is not working anymore because of that call. He made that major call in that Vegas game. He was yep. one of those refs. Like, they, they're the best at what they do. So while I get, like, giving them benefit of the doubt for, like, okay, yeah, you make a wrong call every once in a while, you, you need to make the right call. This is, this is the situation, the, the playoffs. Like, the, this is the stage where you need to make the best decision you can. And yep. they put people in those – they put refs in those situations that have been there before, that know what they're doing, that they can trust. And when they for go out – For this reason. For this reason. For this exact reason, to avoid stuff like this. And it's – happening over and over game after game well, and after game all, and like now you know listen to us like it's it's all anybody's talking about because the refing has just been all over the place in yes. every game like that's the thing it'd be one thing if it was just one series or just like one team but it literally like none of these calls make any semblance of sense no 
like like the the Charlie McAvoy, like the Charlie McAvoy hit um, at the end of the at the on end Josh of the, Anderson. yes on Josh Anderson, and he he got a game for it. But in the game, I mean, and there got, wasn't a penalty. Which it I'm was like, a two no, it was a two minute minor. It was, oh, a, two was minute a two minute minor. minor. Yeah, but he should have gotten a game misconduct in a five minute major. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. I just, I just don't understand. Like, if you're if you're going to call stuff, fine. I think things need to be called, obviously. Like, if somebody gets high-sticked, needs to be called. If somebody gets tripped, needs to be called. If somebody gets boarded, mm-hmm. needs to be called. I get it. But you don't have to make every single call, and you don't have to, like, you don't have to make it equal. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to give this team so many power play minutes and this team so many power play minutes or try and make it, like, somewhat balanced. Don't. Like, you're just going to mess it up. Right. You're going to mess it up. Right. And... It doesn't make hockey fun. I guarantee you it does not make hockey fun. It makes it frustrating. Yeah. And for somebody who loves watching hockey, it's not fun when this game is frustrating. Exactly. Exactly. Um, with that being said, let's let's toss it over to St. Louis, Dallas, um, because that was probably one of the best game sevens I've ever seen in my entire life. Despite I'm so mad I missed over. So <laughs> despite Dallas having one shot first, in the second, I stayed up for the first overtime, and then I was like, I need to go to bed. I have work tomorrow morning, early tomorrow morning, and I woke up literally in the worst mood yeah. because of this. And hey, you still need to be nice. I know. I was just not happy because I wanted the stars to win because I like the stars. I know. Not, just... It's not because of the blues. It's be because careful. I wanted the stars to win. The hockey gods are always listening, Megan. I know, I know. But I'm going to find something nice to say. Hold on. <laughs> this is they're really goalie. hard for her. <laughs> the goalie is really good. Oh. Jordan Bennington. This is, that was really hard for her, folks. Please appreciate the effort that took. Yeah, please put the effort. <laughs> I put a lot of effort into that comment. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know what I will say, though? I actually do really like Vladimir Tarasenko, and I don't. That's like really random. It's really random, but I actually do legitimately very much like him. Yeah. There's guys on that roster. Like I really like Tyler Bozak a lot just because, well, also that's because he played on the Leafs, Um, but I like Braden Shen. I like Tarasenko too, even though it kind of pains me to say it like they got, I like Alex Petrangelo, who I know you are not very fond of, but I love Alex Petrangelo. It's fine. (laughs) Everything is fine. Um, But that overtime period was spectacular okay Ben Bishop I think Ben Bishop like he's Ben Bishop is from St. Louis so I think there was something that was a little a little something extra in that game yeah, for him I agree. Uh, but he played he made 52 saves 52 saves that's insane that the he one, played incredible the one thing about this game that made me mad though hmm. was when Ben Bishop took a puck to like it was either his mask or his shoulder to the point where he was down. Yeah. Like he was on the ice. That wasn't this game. No, that was game six. It was game six. Mm-hmm. It was not the game seven, but it was the reason it went to game seven. Got it. Yeah. Um, There was a, like a blues player took a shot and it either hit Ben Bishop in the mask or it hit him in the shoulder, but it hit him hard enough that he fell on his back and could not get up. And then another Blues player took the puck and put it in the goal, and the refs counted it as a good goal. That was that was the overtime goal. That no, was, it wasn't. 
That was Pat Maroon's goal. That was he. He took a shot. No, 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 no. It wasn't that one. It was the one. I'm talking about the one that happened. It was like a midday game. Oh, oh. I thought you were talking I about was game talking about seven. the one in game six. I was no, like, no, no, game six. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, no, that yeah, one no, counted. No, no. It was game six. <laughs> and it, but it tied up the game for the Blues. Yeah. And then they ended up scoring again like a minute later. And it's just so frustrating because... Dallas played really well that game, and Ben Bishop was playing really well. I just don't think that should have counted as a goal. Like, if your goalie is on the ice and clearly injured, Mm -hmm. the other team, I don't care. And I know that the rule, apparently, I literally think that the NHL just makes up rules as it goes, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. But the rule was that, I guess, because the Blues maintained possession, it was okay. I don't like that, but fine. That literally makes zero sense to me. If the goalie is down, I don't care what team he plays for. If the goalie is down and he cannot get up, whatever puck goes into the net should not count. Yeah. The refs should have blown the whistle and they didn't. Mm -hmm. And they ended up counting it as a good goal, which makes absolutely zero sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Ben Bishop was clearly not getting up. Like the medical trainer had to come up, like come out on the ice and help him get back up. So that one made me mad because Dallas was winning that game and they had a pretty good handle on the game, I thought. Right. But that completely shifted the momentum of the game because, like I said, the Blues scored like a minute or two later. And I was like, well, I guess you're going to game seven. Well, this is great. Everything's great. That's what I'm talking about like refs just like the whole like calling thing. I'm like clapping because I'm so mad. Um it just it's I mean, they've completely butchered this playoff season and it's just making me a little mad. Are you a little honest. mad, Megan? Are you a little I'm upset? A little mad about it. Like and again, both sides here. Like it's happened on both sides. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a team I like or a team I don't like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. They're the calls have just been bad across the board. Like there there really weren't a whole lot of teams in this playoff season that I didn't like out of the 16 teams, Mm -hmm. there were like a handful that I was like, if you lost, I'd be okay with that. Right. Um, you know, kind of thing. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I was just, it made me so, so mad because that just should not have counted as a goal. And I know that wasn't the game seven one, but it was game six and it made it go to game seven. So yeah, it was just incredibly frustrating. And then, I guess the stars came out after in their media day, like their locker room clean out like two days ago. Mm-hmm. And I guess like hints had been playing with like a broken foot. Yeah. I think Janmark's foot was also hurt. Janmark's hurt. Her foot was also, he broke it earlier in the season and I don't think it ever fully healed. Mm-hmm. They said that like Zuccarello had still been dealing with issues from his broken arm from against the Blackhawks earlier in the, in he was the season. Getting, he was getting injections. Yeah, he was getting, like, injections before every game, which mm-hmm. sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, like cortisone. Like, like, yeah. like hard shots. Like, it's not, I like, oh. And he, so, so Zuccarello, too. Zuccarello, too, is a free agent. So I think they have a pretty good chance of, of re-signing him this offseason, too. Yeah. It just... And this is a whole nother can of worms, but, and I'm not going to go like too into it, but I just feel like if a player is that injured, they should not be playing. I don't care if it's game seven of the Stanley cup finals. 
and it's a tie game. I don't care. They should not be playing if they are that injured. That is just so stupid to me. And I get it that like 95% of the time it's the player saying that they're fine and they can play through it. But at that point, like you need to just, that's like when Patrice Bergeron played through like a punctured lung or something like that mm-hmm. is just incredibly stupid. Well, and I, I get it. I, I really get it that they're competitive and they want to play in these big games. Totally understand. I'm competitive and I would want to play in those games, but it just feels like there's a point where I feel like either the organization or the medical staff should jump in and say, Hey, like you need to not. Well, I feel like sometimes too, like not that these players are lying to their medical staff. I don't, I wouldn't say they're lying, but I think they don't, they don't, I don't know. Like they, they don't make it seem like it's as, it's as bad as it is. Like right. when I, when I had my stress fracture in my spine, I got it. My, I want to say I got it. It was the end of my freshman year and we were playing at nationals and like I had had it for maybe I had pain in my back for maybe four or five months before yeah. I, before I even, but we were, I, we were doing so well. We were nine and zero on the first three days of nationals that I was like, well, there's no way I'm not playing. Like, I feel like that when, when you're in that situation, there's, that's not an option. Like not playing just becomes just totally it, not like, an I, option. And I took it, I jumped, swung, fell down and lost feeling in my legs because I went too hard and I completely just ruined my back and then I was out for seven eight months after that so like that's the thing is like I just feel like but it's not an option in the moment it's not an option you know like they don't think about that like I I get that it just it just sucks because this happens every single year where guys are like yeah I was basically dead playing but it's fine and it's hockey man it's hockey I think and I I mean I applaud them for playing because you look at a lot of other leagues and Guys, especially, like, I hate calling out soccer like this, but I'm going to do it. Like, soccer, like, a guy could break a toenail, and he'd be like, I'm out. I can't play for five games. Like, it's... Yep. And even basketball is kind of that way. And I think that's a little bit of the reason why I don't particularly like watching either of those sports is just because I feel like most of the players are whiny and don't... They're entitled. Right. To be honest. Um that's a different conversation for a different day. But I feel like that's kind of where football is similar, where I feel like it's football's a little bit, my, I know the NFL is a little bit more staunch on players playing through injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't typically let it happen. Like usually if, if they're even thinking a guy is hurt, they send him to the locker room and he's usually not back. Um, at least not for that game. But I just think like, I get it. I fully understand. It just, it's always hard to hear after a team's run ends and you hear how many injuries they have and how many they played through. And you've got guys like Martin Nook has been playing through an injury this whole like playoff season. And it's clearly bothering me. He wasn't at practice today. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he draws into the lineup tomorrow against the Bruins, but it's like Zach Hyman played three games on a torn ACL. Yeah, and they let him play. Like, like that's the thing too. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, Like, I know manage minutes. Like, manage minutes, bro. Like, like Mike Babcock, don't put Zach Hyman out there for a defensive zone draw when you have like Austin Matthews 
who could do that or John Tavares who could do that the whole like Austin Matthews only playing 18 minutes made me so mad I've never been more mad about a team that I don't so I don't care about the Leafs I like them because you like them so I just kind of follow them by like second hand but like oh my god Austin Matthews is one of the best players in the game why don't you let him play more bench the other guys who cares about I don't even know no Freddie Gauthier Frederick Rogotier needs to play. Like, oh, it's frustrating. We're not going like, to get into that because I'm going to get pissed. We're not going to get into well, that. Well, I know, but I'm I saw it and I was like, and people keep kind of rehashing it. I'm like, oh my God, it's just so stupid. But like, you're right. Like, if a guy's hurt, like, let him, if he wants to play, cut his minutes. Yeah. I know it's probably going to piss him off, but you can't let a guy play with a broken foot. Like, it just, first of all, it sounds terrible. I have a very low pain tolerance. <laughs> So me playing there, I've literally had a bruised knee for like two weeks and I'm miserable. And I mean, it's like hella bruised. Like it's not just kind of bruised. Like I probably messed it up more than I think I did, but it's fine. Um, I'm not an athlete. (laughs) I don't do anything physical. I walk around target. That's about it. Um, but yeah, it just, that just makes me so like, I, I get it, and I really do appreciate the fact that they want to provide for their team. They want to be a part of it. I get it. Talking there's, baby. There's a limit, dude. There is baby. a limit. The one that always gets me is the Patrice Bergeron one where he played through a punctured hey, wall. Wayne Gretzky played with four broken ribs. Like, Jesus, like, don't do that to yourself. That it's for the cup, baby. It's for the cup. But um, let's let's just talk real quick. Let's wrap this up, and then we'll go. We'll talk about worlds. Um, Eastern Conference final is between Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins. Boston's up one game to none um, after they. I think it was like what five to two the other night. Um, and then game one of the Western Conference final between the St. Louis Blues and the San Jose Sharks is on tonight, which is Saturday. So by the time you hear this podcast, it'll already been played. Hopefully. Um, San Jose wins. I don't know. I want San Jose and Boston in the final, but that's just me because you know the whole Joel Thornton thing. But then also someone brought up the someone brought up the um, the uh, for the Eastern Conference final. Dougie Hamilton shoving it in Boston's face. So I thought that be him <laughs> waving at the Boston bench. No. Oh, oh my no. god! There's a gif of him doing that. I don't even know why he was doing it, but he was like waving at the Boston bench. I'm like, oh my god, and. <sighs> The storyline around that confuses me because supposedly he's like not liked in most locker rooms. Like the Bruins oh, yeah. didn't like him and the Flames didn't like him. And it's funny because the Canes seem to love him. Yeah. And Canes fans love him, obviously. And I don't know. That's just so funny to me because he played three years in Boston. So that's where he started yeah. his career. He was drafted well, he by Boston. Doesn't, yeah, he was drafted by them. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. He doesn't scream to me as a player that would be an issue. Right. I don't I I don't know him, so I don't obviously like I don't know anything, but it's just weird because he doesn't I don't know. Yep. He just doesn't scream like locker room cancer to me, but No, no, no. neither it doesn't scream that to me either. In my mind and if anything, I guess I could see maybe that it's because he's I don't want to say he's awkward, but he just seems a little bit more introverted than I feel like the normal hockey player is. Like, he doesn't seem the type to go out and party and stuff, which kind of seems like Boston's thing, which is cool. Like, whatever. Um, But I I feel like that's, like, a little bit of a part of it. Um, But, yeah, I 
that series I think will be fun. Um, right. But it's not after a great start, mostly because of crappy calls. Well, and I also think, too, it's like the whole, like, he, he they, uh, he, Carolina had a ton of time off. You know, like, like people are like, oh, oh yeah, that doesn't play like into it, but it plays it, into it. Like when you're not in the action every other day, it does. It, it does. I think, oh, God, I'm sorry. My dog just yawned. Um, I, yeah, I, you could tell the first period and like most of the second, they just did not look like they had their legs under them yet. And, um, they kind of looked like that in the first game against the Islanders too. So hopefully they like pick it up. I'm. I'm hopeful, and it's funny because my stepdad and my mom, before the series started, they asked me, like, you know, who I thought was going to win and in how many games. And I was like, I think it'll go to, like, six or seven games. And they were like, but who are you picking? I'm like, I don't I don't want to pick. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to pick. Here's so the thing. I don't pick. <laughs> I don't pick. I'm just going to, like, let it happen. Um, you know, because at this point, I'm going gonna, gonna to be disappointed if the Hurricanes don't make it past the this round. But at the same time as I'm sure most Hurricanes fans are, I am so proud of them for getting even as far as they are. So everything past them beating Washington in the first round has just been a cherry on top. So mm. we'll see. I think it'll be a fun series. I think the Blues and the Sharks will be a fun series too. Um, That one I think will be a little bit more hard-hitting. The Hurricanes don't... Hurricanes don't really... Like... I don't want to say that they're not like a hitting team, but that was kind of their issue with the Capitals is that they didn't play like they're not a a very aggressive they're not very aggressive in that in that regard boston can be but i think the hurricanes are a little bit more skill-based rather than physical whereas i feel like blues and the sharks are both mildly physical teams so that Mm -hmm. i think that'll be a grind of a series so right i think that's not i think that one will go to seven for sure um i'd be very surprised if it didn't um but it'll be fun and i'm excited to catch it tonight because you know it's saturday so i can actually stay up late to watch it it's well, a mirror and something i wanted to mention too before we we wrap this up um from the st louis dallas game seven um if any of you have not seen it or read it or heard about it pat maroon from he's from st louis took 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 a lot a lot a lot less to play in st louis to be by his son um, I don't know if any of you had followed him the year before when he was in Edmonton and he scored a goal in a game in St. Louis with his son in the crowd and he got even emotional about that. Um, scored the the overtime winner in Game 7 to send him to the Western Conference Final and they showed his kid, his kid, I think he's 11 years old, showed his son in the crowd and his son is just crying, just bawling. Pat Maroon starts crying. They have pictures of them in the locker room and like it's just a very, very special and touching story and... Um, I, I mean, I admire Pat Maroon. I mean, he, you're playing in the NHL anywhere you, you can. So, like, I, I, I don't blame him for, you know, taking, taking less to play somewhere, somewhere else. But um, I admire him for doing that. And, like, that, that is just a very, very heartwarming story um, and how his son reacted. I think he said his son was interviewed. He got asked a couple questions, but he was like, you know, I was, I was sitting, he said, he said he was sitting, looking at the program, like looking at where all the players were from. And he saw his dad, like the, like when he read, he said he read his dad was from St. Louis. And then everyone started getting so excited and yelling. And he looked up and his friend was sitting next to him. And his friend was like, that's your dad, your dad scored. It was your dad. So, uh, Aww. it was really cool. And then he just started crying. So, um, yeah, I remember, other... I remember seeing that that was all over my Twitter timeline the next morning of um just so sweet this kid and it 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 is sweet it's very sweet 
All right, let's move on before you start losing your mind. Let's move on to Worlds. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, this is when we're going to be bringing back uh, some of the Blackhawks talk. So, um, yesterday was May 10th. This was Friday. That's when Worlds started. The official tournament started after playing some exhibition games Um there, but it's over in Slovakia. Um, so we have 13 Blackhawks representing 10 different countries. Um, the USA has Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane. Sweden has Eric Gustafsson and Marcus Kruger. Canada has Dylan Strom. Finland has Henry Yoki Haru and Kevin Lankinen. Germany has Dominic Cahoon. Russia has Artem Anisimov, who scored yesterday. Uh, and Norway has Andreas Martinsen. And then as, as for prospects, Switzerland has uh, Philip Kurashev. The Czech Republic has uh, Dominic Kubalik, who we got from L.A. earlier this year. And then Denmark has Matthias Frum. Uh, so the tournament runs from the 10th to the 26th. Um, before the tournament started, we got news that John Tavares will miss uh, for Team Canada due to an oblique injury, and it came out today that he will miss about a month uh, of off-season training, so uh, hopefully he feels better soon. Uh, and then also... This makes me sound like an idiot. What? But I had to ask because I forgot to look it up before the podcast. <laughs> I don't even want to say it. <laughs> and this is why I'm not an athlete. And well, I'm you not, need like, to... Well, now you... Where is that? Where is your oblique? Yes. Uh, it's Pick like, leg, right? it's like, hold on. I'll, I'll show you in a second. Hold on. It's like, it's in your abs. So it's like on the side of your abs. Oh, so it's like, <laughs> I I, your legs. no, I'm no, such an idiot. I can't literally muscles. I don't know where any muscles are except for biceps. That's literally it. No, I know obliques, where my biceps are and that's it. Your obliques are like right on the side of your abs. Like they're like that on the sides of your body. Like, that it does like I've injured my oblique I've strained it before and it's like no for me it's tough like it it really hurts so yeah no so he I was like as soon as you said that I kind of knew that you're gonna ask like I'm so sorry (laughs) I to all of you people listening if you haven't realized it yet when it comes to medical things and like muscle things and tears and everything I have no idea where any of this stuff is I just kind of like nod and go along with it so I'm sorry for the dumb question. No, nothing's a dumb question. You know, like I, there was a point where I didn't know where anything was. And now like, since I was an athlete, I knew I had to know how to take care of my body. So like, you know, see that's, yeah. So that's on the, that, that happened with John Tavares and then John Klingberg, uh, since Dallas was knocked out in the second round, he will be joining team Sweden next week. Uh, that was mentioned on the broadcast yesterday during USA, um, USA and Slovakia. So opening day scores, uh, Finland beats Canada three to one, uh, Russia beat Norway four. Five to two, the USA lost to the uh, lost to Slovakia four to one, and the Czech Republic won over Sweden five to two. So there were a couple a uh, couple upsets there. I, I really didn't. I thought I thought Canada would win for sure. Russia I I knew would win anyway. So that one's um, that one's a given. Um, and then I thought Sweden would uh, Sweden would um, beat Czech Republic, but. Apparently not. So we'll see. This tournament runs for this <laughs> tournament. This tournament runs for sixteen more days. So we'll see how it goes. A lot can happen. But um, just a couple of things. Capo Kako scored two uh, two goals in Finland's win over Canada, and both of them. Well, the one of them was 
disgusting. Um, if any of you have not watched it, we'll link it down below. We'll find a link to it. It is, oh my God, it's disgusting. Uh, and then Jack Hughes um, opened on a line with Patrick Kane and JVR. And then he also um, was playing out on the ice with his brother Quinn. So it was funny during the broadcast, like every five minutes, it'd be like, and then it goes to Jay Hughes and Jay Hughes back to Q Hughes and Q Hughes to Jay Hughes. And like they, he had to say like, to differentiate which Hughes is holding the puck because I mean it's not that hard to it's not that hard to recognize because um, Jack still has the uh, uh, the cage. cage yeah so he actually I'm gonna look it up right now he turns 18 this week I'm pretty sure so yeah, at midway right. midway through this midway through this tournament he's gonna be mass he'll he'll be able to wear a visor which will be so weird to see but um, I'm gonna look it up right now because let's see Jack Hughes there we go um. Um, um, okay, you're gonna take 10 years to load. Thank you, Elite Prospects. May 14th, so three days, he'll be 18. So, so Tuesday, yeah, so Tuesday. So, uh, that'll be pretty fun. But it's, it's, you, you know, which Hughes is which, especially because Jack wears number six and Quinn wears 43. So, like, yeah. You can definitely tell the numbers. They're pretty, too. Di- yeah, their number, their numbers are different. Uh, but the next game for both US and Canada, those are the two that. I've been focusing on um, USA uh, plays France on Monday or no tomorrow Sunday and then Canada plays Great Britain also tomorrow too which I wanted to see Brendan Perlini play on Great Me Britain. Me too I was thinking that too. <laughs> that would be I so cool. They had a team and I was like wait 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 hold on hold on hold on what I didn't know that they it's had. It's the first time they're in it in like a couple That's of years. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I remember seeing and I was like where is Pearls? Where is my boy? He's out golfing somewhere. I saw his like snap or um, his Instagram story a couple days ago where he's like playing golfing. some golf or out watching there with Fred. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, props to him for just chilling. I, you know, not gonna, not gonna argue that. I would chill too if I'd been playing for however like, long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like six months. Right. Yeah. Longer than that. So yeah. So if any of you don't have. Um, Oh wow! Switzerland beat Italy today, nine to nothing. Um, I was gonna say, if none of you, if any of you want to follow worlds, um, not just watching it on a stream, but like being able to um, follow it along on the app, you can download the IIHF app. Uh, it's on both. I have it on my iPhone and our iPad, um, and it is it's a pretty cool way to be able to see all of the scores and watch highlights and get notifications. And they have a ton of podcasts too, so. You can get um, recaps in the form of like audio and stuff like that. So it's really cool. Um, check it out. We're going to be following Worlds um, on the podcast as it's happening. Yep. All right. Let's talk about power plays. Um, Megan, would you like to explain? So because I stuck, I, I t- kind of stole your power play last week by accident, <laughs> I figured I would bypass mine this go around also because... I couldn't think of anything. I was going to say, get to the real reason why, Megan. I just couldn't think of anything that I haven't already talked about. Like, there's just, it's gotten to that point in the season where I don't want to rehash stuff. And, you know, I probably could have made one about how bad the refing was, but I went on that rant earlier in the podcast and I don't want to beat a dead horse. So um, I will let you take the, take the reins on this one, buddy. Okay. All right. Tell me when you're, uh, tell me when you're ready. You are good to go whenever you are ready. All right. I'm good. Okay. Okay. This week, I think I've talked about this before, but it's something that's come up a lot. Um, especially with, I listen to the Steve Dangle podcast, like religiously. Um, that's kind of come out with Steve too, as well. And that is social media. Um, and just how like, 
how just toxic it can be. Um, I think after Toronto lost, Steve said that he completely like logged out of his Twitter, deleted it off his phone, deleted it off his computer, like doesn't go on it. He only goes on it to tweet out when he has a new video up with Sportsnet or the new podcast. So, um, and, and that kind of, and I've seen it on my social media with people that I follow un, unrelated to hockey or sports that, that kind of take a step back and like decompress from social media. And I think especially right now during the playoffs, um, especially if you still have a team in it, um, like Megan does with the Carolina Hurricanes or like my dad really likes Boston. So like that, that whole thing, um, I think it's really important to kind of take a moment and sit back and kind of say, okay, this the people that are on here, like I can either let them, I can let them upset me and I can let them control me and I can let them, whatever they say, um, dictate how I'm feeling about this. Or I can, can just kind of take a step back and say, you know, I know what I know and I believe what I believe. And I don't think that someone on social media can dictate that or change my mind or make me feel upset about it or make me feel like I'm wrong about it because your opinion is your opinion. Um, and so what I say is like, just be, just be aware of that on social media like this is kind of like me being a mom like okay now honey um but social media could be a really good place and we've seen it with um being able to put our our brand out there and our podcast out there and our blogs and everything like that but it could also be a really a really terrible place and a really toxic place um that can cause a lot of distress and can cause a lot of i don't know can cause a lot of feelings and anger um So yeah, that's my message to you guys this week is just take social media with a grain of salt and don't let it get to you. Good finish, good finish. And I completely agree with you. And it's um, unfortunately something that I don't want to say struggle with, but I think when I get bored, my instinct is to just go, I'm literally scrolling through whatever this is right now, Tumblr right now, just like not even really looking at what I'm scrolling through. I'm just scrolling just to do something. Mm -hmm. And it, it, I think for some people it just becomes like a habit to just look at it. And sometimes it's good to just take a step back and, and kind of evaluate the way that you are using it and the way that you're reacting to it. Because I think, and I'm, I, Definitely will say that I have been upset by what somebody's tweeted or I've been pissed about somebody tweeting something and I get really heated about it for literally no reason. And it's frustrating that I feel like I need to waste my time on it. Um, but it's also equally as frustrating that somebody uses social media in that way instead of being positive and I know like obviously it's just the world we live in unfortunately yeah um but yeah I I like every single one of your points because especially when it comes to sports people get very passionate and very heated and I think sometimes people take it too far way more often than it should happen people take it too far Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that's it's just frustrating because it's like like I don't know like sometimes you just need to you need to make sure that it's bringing you like joy and things that you want to see and kind of eliminating what doesn't bring you joy. Um, and I feel like a lot of times, like, I don't know if any of like, I know we both have iPhones. Um, but anybody else listening, if they have, if you have an iPhone, there's a new feature. Um, it's on the newest, it's on the newest update software update, but it's called screen time. And basically it tells you, um, it can tell you per day and it can tell you, um, 
I can tell you per week and it'll give you like a week report at the end of the week, but it basically tells you um, how much time you're spending on your phone during the day. So by day, so it'll tell you how many um, how many hours you're spending on social networking apps, how many hours you're spending on entertainment apps, how many you've spent on productivity apps. And then it'll tell you like which apps you use the most and how long you use them for. Um, it'll tell you how many pickups a day you have. So like how many times you physically place your phone down and pick it up, like how many that yep. is. Um, it'll tell you how many notifications you get per day, um, and where the most of them are coming from. And so I use that a lot too. And then you can also, there's, you can set limits on your apps. Um, I was going to say, I do, I downtime. use downtime, um, yeah. especially when I'm watching a game because I feel like I did this a lot during the Blackhawks games this season. And I kind of regret doing it because I would sit there and just not pay attention to the game really. And I would scroll through my phone or I would just like get upset about something somebody said about the game. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like it's just the negativity is just not necessary. And if it's not making me happy, I need to stop. So about, I want to say like maybe early, early-ish in the season, I started putting my phone on downtime while I was, um, while I was watching the games because it's just not worth it. Like don't, there's no point to egg that on and there's no point to read it if you're not enjoying whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's kind of nice to just like disconnect for a little bit. I know that sounds like really <laughs> hippy dippy of me, but, um, no, it's so true. It is. I mean, it's like on weekends like this where I'm not really doing anything aside from like catching up on YouTube, YouTube videos and stuff. I'm usually just, I'm either writing or I'm drawing or I'm doing something that's not, that I can still watch the video, but, but do something else that's a little bit less mindful. Like I don't have to really think about it mm-hmm. because it's like a nice little break because I feel like when I'm at work, anytime I've got downtime, I'm scrolling through my phone, like looking for news on hockey or it used to be the Avengers when that was, you know, when that yeah. movie initially came out. So now it's kind of like. I don't have as much stuff to look at. And as the summer goes on, I'll have less and less to look at with hockey being, um, you know, over in the next month or so. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, it's social media can be really, really good. And I think I'd like to think that like a solid 75% of the time it is, mm-hmm. but that other 25% can be really, really toxic. And yep. if you're not careful or if you're not cognizant of that, it can be destructive if you're just even if you're just scrolling through it and all you see is negative stuff yep it's just not it's not worth your time like that's I mute people all the time um can't tell you how many teams and how many analysts and writers and whatever I've put on mute during series this this year um like I have the Bruins on mute right now and I have the players that I follow from the Bruins on mute because I love them and I don't want to unfollow them because I really do like their team Mm -hmm. but at the same time I don't want to not like them because of a tweet I saw or because of right you know xyz like it's just I don't know yeah yeah no it's frustrating yeah so that was my uh that was my cup of tea for the week so Good. Um, that's a really good, that was piping hot tea. I liked it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, all right. That's it for this episode of the Puck and Ray Chicago podcast. Um, as always, leave comments down below. Follow us on our social medias. Megan's always posting that fire content. So go and vote. I, I always vote on like those Instagram stories you do, by the way. I'm always like, mm, I'm yeah, going to get my vote opinion. Yeah, vote on my Instagram stories, people. <laughs> I, try to put, I try to put a couple up. It's 
coming up with content, I'm not going to lie, it's getting a little hard now that there are only like four teams left, but I'm going to try really super hard to get content up for you guys. We love it. We love to see it. Um, but yes, thank you for tuning in every single week. You can follow us down below, all of that good stuff. Make sure you come back next week. We are going to be going all the way through the playoffs, all the way through the off season. So we're going to have a ton of stuff for you guys, um, no matter what time of the year it is, all the way up until training camp next year. So we're super excited. Um, and thank you guys again for following us and listening. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye, guys.